Good morning, Dan. Um, welcome to, I don't know what number, we, we've done a lot, number of these already, so we're, uh, we're kind of cooking here uh, in, in this podcast world and uh, want to talk this morning about nutrient planning. So uh, let's start off uh, this morning, uh, Dan, by maybe going through the process that our advisors have undertook for several years on what is their approach to nutrient planning. You can, you can talk about uh, nitrogen separately from phosphorus and potassium, but just give, give our listeners a little bit of an overview of the planning process for nutrients. Sure, that'd be great. So, so it actually does start. So we, we haven't harvested the 2020 crop, but the 2021 nutrient planning probably is one of the first things that's tackled because a lot of a lot of advisors want to get ahead of the curve. So they 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 want to be able to have uh, have have had that planning discussion with growers before they get in the combine. Um, so there's a lot of it actually starts now. It's it starts in August that you know growers start identifying which fields going to what crop and then they the next piece is usually uh, addressing nutrient planning so depends on where Darren depends on where you are as to how you know there's there's parts of the midwest that are uh, have really have drought you know the crop is going to be limited by drought and certainly there's a big chunk of uh, that's also going to have wind damage where they might not harvest a crop so those are additional considerations, but for, but for us, nutrient planning, especially in the fall, a, a lot surrounds uh, you know phosphorus and potassium, and those are two of the three major nutrients. Sulfur is probably the the other one that's really become the fourth major nutrient. So, uh, sulfur and nitrogen are mobile nutrients. So, um, there is some fall application in heavier soils where, uh, but but certainly phosphorus and potassium. Uh, would get would a lot of times be the the first nutrients to hit hit the field. So probably the the approach depends on what kind of a crop you're removing, but um, certainly a big piece of what we do is is we use some type of spatial soil sample as you know one of the foundation pieces. So spatial soil sample could be grid sample, so you know where the field is divided into small. Um, smaller sizes and you you have a, a lot of samples within a field two and a half acre grids are really really common in a lot of areas other areas uh, zone sampling might be more common where they divide the field into zones and those zone, zones could be driven by soils or historic imagery or a whole bit you know e, uh, ec conductivity so people but but the big thing is a lot of times instead of instead of capturing one sample for an entire field they're cap- capturing, you know, a lot, a lot more uh, intense or site-specific samples. So let's um, let's just start here. In in when 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 our advisors are working through um, planning for nutrients at this time of year, pre-harvest, uh, is the removal estimate based on estimated yield, or is it wh- what are we what are we trying to how are we how are we going about um, creating that first draft, if you will, of the nutrient plan? Yep. So, so the reason I the, the reason we usually start with some type of a measure of what's in the soil is because we understand with with all nutrients, what feeds the crop is a combination of soil supplied nutrients, meaning there's nutrients inside in the soil that get released, 
and there's there's fertilizer or manure supplied nutrients, right? So so what we're trying to do is we're trying to balance what the soil supplies versus what we supply with either or you know with either uh, manure or commercial fertilizer, um, and then so so what we're responding to is if you think of low low testing areas sh- should be more responsive to applied nutrients meaning you, meaning you should get a bigger yield response in a lower testing area than you do a higher testing area so uh, and then the, the so then another piece of what we do is 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 use yield files to ca- to actually capture the removal so and sometimes that's last year's yield file so you know you're you're, you're actually, it could be two years of yield removal. If you're on a two-year cycle, it could be just one-year yield removal. So, and some people literally, uh, because we're getting yield faster and faster, you know, it, it can be this year's yields, this year's yield file. So meaning, meaning because we have the, we're capturing yields every second, we're able to calculate the phosphorus and potassium removal off that yield file. So, so two of the major pieces would be using some type of spatial soil sample and then using the using a yield file to 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 not guess at removals but to calculate actual removals yeah so um i think there's um nutrient prescriptions made on on many millions of acres here here in the midwest and uh, across uh, across canada um what are what are some common mistakes that are made or what are some things that growers should make sure that that went into their nutrient plan? You mentioned a couple, I, some type of a grid sample, some kind of a, a, a soil measurement to understand where we are. Um, and the other one is is attributing a, a yield file to overlay sort of uh, an understanding of productivity. Uh, what else is necessary that, that growers should ensure that they're their uh, trusted advisor is including in in their nutrient plan. We we're we're really Darren. We spent a lot of time on um, dividing fields by productivity level, um, and we and you know it's uh, and the reason we do that reason we do that is is we believe from data analytics that we do that what we're able to define is that. There are some areas of the field that just respond to more nutrients. You know, it's just there. There tend to be so. So, so, the, so what we tend to do is have a different equation for each productivity area within a field. So, so it's not you know some some people you know some people will uh, they they go to the grower with three different equations and you know it's the you know it could be color coded or you know metal, you know, <laughs> however they describe them, they go to the grower with three different equations and say, pick here, you know, here and price prices by each equation for nutrients. And they say, pick between these three. And we, we, you know, we're like, no, you can run three or four equations within inside a field, meaning you don't, you don't have to choose aggressive versus conservative for the whole field. You can treat parts of the field really aggressively and parts of the field really conservatively. So, you know, so that this is just all math. So that it's just building more complex. You know, just having more complex equations is a big part of what we do. So, so it really goes. It really goes to just this idea 
I mean, if you think about nutrients in general, across the country and across entire countries, we, we tend to have recommendations that are a little bit one size fits all. What we're able to prove is that that ideal, that ideal combination of soil supplied, which is what we're measuring through a soil test, and fertilizer or manure supplied changes within field boundaries. There's, there's, you know, it makes sense to us that some areas of the field just respond to more to nutrients than other areas of the field, and we want to take advantage of that. So uh, we, have, uh, we have talked a lot about agronomy as local in the past. And because we believe that um, in, in site-specific recommendations, uh, paying attention to every field specifically in every different productivity area inside of every field, um, it, it makes it important to um, create unique prescriptions. And when you talk about equations, they are based on productivity, based on soil analysis, based on removal rates. Um, when you think about the rate of, of nutrients that should be applied, how do you decide, how do you know if you have enough or too, too, too much or too little? Yeah, so for us, it's just, it, 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 it comes back to being able to do trials in growers' fields. So instead of, instead of, instead of you know, and I, I, sometimes I sound like I'm critical of land-grant universities. I'm not, you know, I, I'm a land-grant university product, and, you know, land-grants are a big piece of educating and bringing science to agriculture, and they still are, and they still have a really key role, but, but but it's just it's just this transformation of so so what we so we you know so what instead of instead of taking research that was done somewhere else we're we're actually able to put trials in growers' fields replicated trials in growers' fields you know so so you know one of the things we hear all the time is you can't get more local than my fields you know it's just you know so that that ability to that ability to use analytics to inform our recommendations and then turn around and, and put a trial, put a rate trial in, in different areas of a grower's field is a key piece of, you know, our strategy. It's just that <laughs> it's just taking, just doing, doing scientific trials, you know, within each part of each grower's fields is just a, just a big piece of our culture. And, and this, this idea of continuous improvement. Darren, you asked me earlier what some of the common mistakes are. In the area of variable rate nutrient application, the biggest single mistake I believe that was ever done was the idea that we are going to test your field and then we're going to make variable rate applications and that, that map that looked like there was so much variation, it's all going to be one color someday. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to pull down the high areas, we're going to build up the low areas, and you know, four years from now, your field will all be one color. Well, first of all, the colors are just a legend on a map, and those you know you can manipulate the legend however you want. So, so that but but the point the, the bigger point is the the goal of variable rate nutrient application and the goal of why you would do a soil test was never it's never to achieve a part per million number, like that you know even even though equations use part per million soil test values, that's nobody gets paid by that. I mean, nobody, no grower, get, you don't, a grower doesn't get paid because they got their phosphate to 30 parts per million or 25 or whatever the number is. So, so the goal is never 
the goal never should have been, you know, achieving a part per million number. The goal is to produce yields as efficiently as possible. And what we what we find is is when we go into areas where nobody has been doing much sampling and they've been doing uniform applications, what we typically find is that the lowest fertility areas are actually the highest yielding. And, and the reason they're low fertility is that those high yield areas have mined down the nutrients. You know, that the field has been treated uniformly. This is really common. You know, I, I, put, I put the same blend on every acre and I've done it for the last 10 years. But, but the point is you haven't been removing nutrients as uniformly as you've been applying them. You know, that those consistently high yield areas have pulled down nutrients and the consistently low yield areas have allowed nutrients to build up in the soil test. So you capture that and you capture that when you soil sample it and that can be a foundational piece. But, but what we also find is that those, those areas that are consistently high yielding, they just seem to, it, it's hard to keep up with them. It's like the, the more you apply, you know, with certain nutrients, the better they yield. So, you know, so it's like it, but again, the point is not the point. Our point is never to try to even out the field and make it one color on a soil test map. You know, our, ours is all about how do I how do we generate more dollar return for every dollar we invest within you know within those areas of the field. And, and if we never catch up soil test wise, that's great because if we never catch up, that just means we just kept producing better and better yields as efficiently as possible. So, so since we started doing enhanced learning blocks, and in order we in our fourth or fifth year, yep. Um, what is the what is the what is the awakening the, the 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 insight that surprised you the most when you looked at how we advanced or accelerated that rate for for nitrogen or or, or other nutrients, and you learned how much money we left on the table. T- tell me, tell me how that journey has been for you. The dollars per acre are way bigger. The dollar, the dollar per acre return to the grower is way bigger than I thought. To get it right, so with everything, so it's like I never, you know, it's like I, you know, obviously a really big advocate of using, really big advocate that everybody should be using the technology available to do better, you know, to do better agronomy, but I didn't. You know, I didn't realize that the dollar, the dollar per acre swings for the grower were as big as they are. You know, to see, to see eighty hundred dollar an acre swings, it, you know, by single nutrients, like I didn't think it was that big, and it is. So, so it's just it, it lead, it just leads you to when you realize when you realize there's that many dollars in play, it just leads you to want to do it better. You know, just like okay, we got to get we got to get even better at this. It's like we're we're just beginning to just beginning to understand and to tap into what's possible. So. We, we've also seen, we've also been surprised by getting a yield response when we've been ultra aggressive on our rates. Like we're still getting a yield response in some areas of the field that are very high producing areas. And we're su- constantly surprised at how, how much yield response we can still get by being ultra aggressive and applying a very, very high rate. It is. It's just, but it, but, but just think about what you said because it, it's really key that everybody understand it. If you do that everywhere, you, if you if you take that attitude everywhere, you're wasting dollars. Because there, you know, it's like we're, what we're talking about is being able. It's it's there are areas of fields where 
everything is working. You know, it's just everything is working. And, and, and those areas just seem to, they just seem to keep climbing. And, and, you, and you see it in trials. You see responses to even more aggressive. So it, it, it does surprise you. So. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Dan, for uh, sharing your a little bit of your insights today on nutrient planning. Uh, for any of our listeners that uh, do get a prescription created by their supplier or advisor, and if you want to take that to yield and prove it paid, uh, contact us at www.premiercrop.com. And uh, we would. We, this is kind of what we do: is we 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 take a prescription, we take take the planning process and prove it out in their analytics. And uh, we'd love to do it for you. So thanks, Dan, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Premier Podcast, where everything agronomic is economic. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can continue to provide the best precision ag and analytic results for you. And to learn more about Premier Crop, visit our blog at premiercrop.com. Mm-hmm.